0: Hello, welcome to the Tabletop Collins Show uh, talk show. The Tabletop Collins Show talk show is where we, Adam and Jeremy, hosts of the Tabletop Collins Show, instead just talk to each other. Uh, welcome to anybody who's in the chat. It looks like MV has arrived to say hello. Uh, I'm sure that there are others out there. Hello, it's it's great to see you um i'm adam bell you can find me on twitter at adamie bell you can find my games at adamiebell.games if you wanted to jeremy what's up who are you
1: hi i'm jeremy gage you can find me at jeremygage5 over on twitter You can listen to the Draw Your Dice podcast, right? Interview people like Adam and probably many of the people tuning in today about their insights in tabletop game design, specifically the role-playing game space. But not only that, we talk about the business of game design as well to help you turn your hobby into a livelihood, which I would love for everyone to do what they love. Um, And yeah i'm here i'm excited to talk to adam i'm here to even like get engaged with the chat too B's niece, that you know quick shout out hello mb hello jimmy hello eli hello delverino happy to see all of you here thanks for being here
0: yeah great so what are we talking about today jeremy i don't we don't know that's why we're two minutes late because we were like wait <laughs> We should talk about what we're going to talk about, and then we land it on... Hello, Aaron. We'll do it live. Um, Hello, Will. So I guess first thing, I will write... The things that I wrote down, the first thing I wanted to talk about was... Uh, if you like this show, go watch Spencer talk about games with people on Sundays. Look, at Spencer Campbell, Gila RPGs. Gila? A Gila, Gila yes.
1: G-I-L-A RPGs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, however you pronounce... That particular monster
1: Gala monster
0: <laughs> Hey Gala monster um, Yeah tuned in yesterday He was talking with Dan Phipps Of Gym Room Games uh, This is good stuff um, So let's start with What games podcasts always start with And by always I mean I'm sure A lot of them do Have you played anything this week? Have you been up to anything?
1: Yeah, uh, I've been playing... I have two campaigns going right now. One is using the Emberwind RPG, uh, and the other is playing Band of Blades. What? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) What?
0: What the heck? (laughs)
1: Listen, I'm (gasps) trying... i'll have another campaign Uh,
0: for those watching jeremy and i and a few other people once pretended like we were going to start a band of blades campaign and then uh it certainly didn't happen and now i'm hearing that jeremy's got his own campaign
1: (laughs) couldn't get together out in space come to dyd game night every thursday in the server we do stuff not rpgs necessarily it's not band of blades (laughs) it's not it's (laughs) not <laughs> can't can't do pickup band of blades, unfortunately. Uh but yeah, I've been playing those. I've been playing Emberwind for the tactical stuff and playing Band of Blades for like the because I wanna fucking reach Sky Dagger Keep, so there's that.
0: Are you are you the GM here twice?
1: I am the GM. I was really inspired. We're doing like sort of a reflavoring that everything is Gundam because I watched uh both Gundam Hathaway and Gundam Unicorn, mm-hmm. and I was like this is Band of Blades. I like. I get it now. I had no like war reference things ever. I'm sorry. I didn't betray Adam. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about it so much. Just lighting me up in front of people. I'm pissed. <laughs> uh But I was watching both of those Gundams, and like I finally clicked. I was like, this is what this is what Band of Blades is. All these fucking. GMs and balls and Zakus are all the rookies and soldiers and then yeah. the Gundams are your specialists slash like your elite zombie thing. So they're like virus mechs and the players are the specialists are all Gundams and things and
0: Yeah, it's a good time. Cool. That does sound better than the default Sky Sky Gunner Sky Jim Jam keep uh because <laughs> I don't know. The dark, gritty fantasy, what if everything sucked and what if there <laughs> were zombies? Everything's fucking brutal. Uh, is a lot for me, I think. I would do it, but I don't know. It's not exciting. Sounds like you want to do it. Well, I want to play the game.
1: Well, you uh, feel betrayed. What well, I didn't. Playing the game that... and feeling betrayed are two different things.
0: Look. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of forge of the dark games i did recently playtest my grid yeah. system which has been rebranded as either the tactical storytelling engine or maybe i gotta find a better word than forge for reasons but the story forge uh and what that is is that I, I think i talked about it two weeks ago the the grid based resolution system where instead of rolling dice and looking at the numbers we're slamming tokens um just laughing at the chat slamming tokens yeah, on no. the board
1: will just laying into it
0: <laughs> and you're playing this tactical game and I found it interesting. Uh there's things that are gonna be changing because it was like too much as a GM, there was too much with the way I had it of like being in tactical game mode and then jumping out and having to like dole out consequences. And I'm like shit, I gotta switch to this other part of my brain um, which is kind of how I felt every time I ever ran d There's just like a lot of cognitive load on the GM to do a thing and then they got to switch to do the story thing and back and forth. So I got to figure out how to smooth that over. Uh, but it was good.
1: Hey, if you want more cognitive load, look out for Umbral Dive coming to you <laughs> in 2023.
0: Right, but the thing with that is at least you know the grid but you don't really have to go while describing the combat because it is just happening on the board you see it and then you describe exactly what's happening on the board whereas the mess I have found myself in is I'm making a fully abstract grid <laughs> that has nothing to do with physical space and nothing to do with what's actually happening it's purely like here is your influence and you're taking each other's influence I don't know it's cool and it's gonna be good um but that leads me to the thing that I wanted to say, which is I started reading. Court of Blades, because I'm tired of Blades one shots. Uh, Court of Blades mm-hmm. is a Forge in the Dark game that was on Kickstarter a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, by I believe by a couple of drakes. I I think that's right. <laughs> if anybody ah! in the chat knows, that's great. But uh, it's like you play as basically this group, as part of a like there is a royal court thing happening and you play as a group of out of errand people for one of the one of the major houses so it's all about like trying to advance your house through mm. like to the to the throne or whatever by mm. you do you're not like the rich you know you're not the nobles you're the random dickheads that like happen to be working for them mhm and it seems good um, I've just <clears throat> <clears throat> got a little breakfast stuck. In my <laughs> sorry, sorry to the, the audience. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, I just want to not play because I feel like once you've played a couple of Blades one shots, Blades really gets cooking. Once you've played it for a little while with a group and like stories start emerging, the first heist is always just like, yeah, we're doing that heist. I'm not exactly married to what's happening here.
1: Action resistance setup. You're action right. resistance. <laughs> roll, roll, roll.
0: <laughs> right. Where's the where's the heart? Where's the soul? Which will yeah. probably be true for any other Forge of the Dark one shot, but at least it won't be the same. Yeah. 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 So look out for that. That's probably I probably mentioned this also, but that's probably gonna be my zine quest go to. Something Ooh. nice, something easy. Grid based, yeah. the grid, the tactical story, the tactical storytelling engine. Look out for it.
1: I'd like to have Umbral Dive ready for Zine Quest. If I don't change it 20 times every day.
0: <laughs> well, have you changed um, it since we uh, last talked about it on here?
1: No. Uh, well, yes and no. <laughs> We're in, we're in Umbral, Umbral Dive Mark (laughs) 6. We're not in point we we're in Mark 6. And fucking, I'm very pleased. Uh, It's taking a lot of inspiration from, uh, what I have decided to do is separate the grid in that there is a player side and an enemy side and those things interact together instead of like being on the same tactical space. I think that's kind of unexplored terrain uh, and I am excited for it.
0: Yeah. What, what's up with that? So is it like you have to be, you're going to have to navigate to like the same school. I don't, I want to hear more. Do I, I I, want to hear more.
1: Do I need to share my screen? Sure. Yeah. This is a visual storytelling medium, but if this ever goes in the podcast mode, we're fucked.
0: <laughs> oh, it'll, it'll be on the podcast feed, and, you know, they'll have to go watch the VOD.
1: <laughs> yeah, they'll have to go watch the VOD. To anyone listening in podcast land, uh, twitch.tv slash Adam Bell for all of your VOD needs. And YouTube. How do I fuck? Uh, all right, I'm going to share my screen. No, I want to share a window. Affinity Designer. No one can see my tabs.
0: Oh, jeez. This is going to be... A whole situation. <laughs> it's fine. Should I it back? Is it no. bad news bears? It uh, is. Bad. <laughs> well, here, let's get funny with it. Go back to your. Let me go back to your face. Ah,
1: ah we're doing it live.
0: Now it's three me's. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is good. <laughs>
0: um, so either let's just do it, and then there's just two of you.
1: All right. Pro tip, keep all of your sheets in a single affinity designer
0: Yeah, I would never. (laughs) Why do that when you can have a mess of a file structure?
1: (laughs) Uh, So, as you can see, I've made so many grids. (laughs) I've just been playing with so much stuff. Uh, And what I settled on is this bad boy where essentially, let me, where's my shape tool? Shape tool, we're going to create, we're going to make this fucking, we're going to make this blue. That's people, and we'll make another one. Free uh, affinity designer tutorial (laughs) happening right now. Uh, So the idea is that you'll be playing on this board. Certain classes have like, range restrictions all Mm. similar to like darkest dungeon and stuff like that so for instance if this this person was your tank uh they can only hit from like this row position one as i have here as you see position one here uh you might have a mage that can only hit from position three and there's a lot of like forced movement mechanics in the game so like this this i don't know this void mage back here might like like, do, like, a a black hole and force your mage to position one, and so they have to now spend time moving back to position three, and there'll be AoE stuff, or, like, maybe this melee person can uh, attack a... Let's fucking do a, a goddamn rectangle here. We'll do a rotation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so my... Uh, let, me, let me hop in real quick. Is this meant to be, like, how... A lot of video game like JRPGs and stuff kinda of cut to this turn based thing and you've got all the characters on the screen facing each other and then they hit their buttons and Yeah. And you do things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that so yeah. like even if so if you're in position one, you're saying like the tank is probably doing melee, and so they have to be up the mm-hmm. front so that when the animation plays, they like zoop forward, swing their sword and then zoop back because that's how yeah. like fighting works in this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, and, like, they'll, they'll also have ranges, like, this mage can only hit these positions, but this mage can't affect this person. There might also be, like, blocking stuff, or, like, if this enemy is in front of this one, the mage can't, like, shoot position three. They have to shoot through one, or, or something like that. There's a couple different things I'm playing with, uh, and, yeah. And then, so, when we talk about bosses, then... Uh, I use this fucker over here, this Uh, compass-looking thing.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: We're doing radio. Let me zoom in here. So I've also thought about like abstracting the boss out of this. There will be no unit, no enemy unit on this board. The boss is always considered the center space. Mm. And so if you're the tank, you still have to attack from circle one. If you're the mage, you still have to fight from circle three. Um, but now you'll have more unique dodging mechanics, which are going to have like all a, um, like the boss might have a, a 90 degree cone or something like that based on the position of the tank in position one. Cause I've also figured out like aggro stuff. So if, uh, this tank is right here and it's 90 degrees, uh, this, let me see, let me see if I can fucking do the thing uh yeah let's (laughs) just try that (laughs) uh no that's more squares uh the boss might affect this whole area so this ally will also be hit but this one will not because of the positioning of the tank get off the node tool because of the tank underneath here uh and bada bing bada boom there might be more unique things and this is still a grid what's important about this that i like about this radial space is like this is still a grid and so you can move one space two space things like that um if you have an ability that's like an aoe or like if ads were to spawn on the board you could still attack the ads in your same aoe structures maybe the tank has like a line attack that can hit Like two square, two squares over, consider like all these spaces a square, right? So, uh, nothing really changes based on the form of the map. Mm. Uh, just that I can do a little bit more unique stuff with like boss mechanics. And then, like, there would be a big let's see, like, this is an example over here. (laughs) (laughs) See, keep it all in one thing. So, you're right. Yeah. I mean, Uh, I
0: joke, but keeping it in one thing is obviously way better.
1: Uh, like the boss sheet would be like just above the radial board, so like you could roll for attacks, you could see what patterns the boss has and its like health levels and things, uh, and so all of that the the unit is abstracted out of the grid which allows me more freedom to design interesting like mm. AOE mechanics or positional mechanics, movement stuff. So I don't have to worry about like the positioning of the boss. I only have to worry about the vacuum of the players. And that's also how I've designed a lot of the uh, damage abilities and stuff. So for instance, if I zoom in on Ifrit here, uh, you can see that this flame rend ability uh applies light plus pressure that's not a number right so like how does that work if then i go over to one of these fuckers uh let's go (laughs) let's go to the iron devil they're the The most fleshed out three i designed it in a in a vacuum so that i never have to uh, balance a unit i did not want to do like a monster manual situation where like this thing does 2d6 and this one does 8d6 and this Mm. one does fucking 48 and i don't care about that so what I did is uh, I gave each class a set of dice for different armor sets. So that last flame rend attack, what did light plus damage. Essentially, what that means is that the tank will roll 2 D4 and take the highest amount of damage from that. Um, and that way I only have to balance the class around their defensive damage rather than the monster's offensive abilities. So all tanks will have, like, 1d4, 1d6, 1d8 on heavy. But, like, a fucking... The Void Weaver, which is a mage class, uh, has 1d8 lights. So they have different ranges of damage that both of these uh, two classes can take. And I just, I just like it. I just like that the player gets to roll their own damage. They mm-hmm. get to have the fun of the click clacks. And it <laughs> loosens the cognitive load of the GM in the sense that... Uh, I don't have to worry about like having the right amount of dice or like find right. what I need to find and I can start pick I can actually pick an encounters patterns based on like you know a weaker enemy might have only light attacks while a boss might have a light medium and heavy and then like a really hard boss might have like two lights, three medium abilities and like two heavier or last stand abilities or something like that. so yeah that's the that's the grid stuff. That's the two two grid things.
0: That's cool. I'm gonna unshare. And by having now. two grids, you're a little bit opening up some design space where, like, you can make more grids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I was like, okay.
0: Right, people. It, people are. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: You, know, you go ahead. I. You can't see me.
0: What? I was just gonna say people are already like, oh, okay, when the bosses come out, we're on or in radial coordinates when when it's just a regular mm. fight it's this so like if you surprise them with oh there's this third type of fight or or whatever they're already primed mm. for it and that's a cool place to be in yeah for you as um, a designer.
1: and i like that i can fucking like print these back to back and just have them flip over like this is oh, yeah. dungeon skirmish mode and then this is boss mode because uh a lot of this is heavily taken from MMORPGs, like Final Fantasy 14, World of Warcraft, Guild Wars, where like the boss is always in an arena uh, in the dungeon. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think one thing that I struggle with with d d is that you try so hard to make the environment matter, but it ends up being like a 2D plane anyways. <laughs> Not everyone. I'm sure there are people who like use terrain and line of sight stuff, and they're like enemies on top of things. But um, a lot of times you're going fast and loose, it's probably just like a 2D plane. So like, you can still put the imagination on top of this 2D plane. And I can have like a uh, taking hints from like Hyperlight Drifter RPG. They have a three by three tile board. And um, they have a lot of different like aesthetics for you, Have like a cave aesthetic and a field. And like Mm. one has like a waterfall picture and it's like, you can sort of change up the feeling but you don't have to change the way the the environmental grid operates which i was like oh interesting i still get the sense of like role play in this space
0: right yeah and you could even like with that have Mm -hmm. environmental like oh if you're fighting in the waterfall zone like there's one special rule that happens every time you fight yeah at the arena
1: effects are totally thing which is uh, Tully from Emberwind, one of my players is playing a class that has an arena ability called Transference that whenever uh, someone overheals or over-damages anything, mm-hmm. uh, that player can redirect that extra damage or healing to another unit. And I was like, freeing. I was like, amazing. I can <laughs> have like arena effects that bring the environment to life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, bring, in, in a way that, like you were saying, that d d just often... With that grid-based stuff, unless you've got the big, beautiful terrain, and your table turns into something wild, or you're incredibly good at roll twenty, which I don't know if anybody is, um, uh, that Back. that helps do that stuff a lot easier. <laughs> which is rad. You're onto something yet again. You've made I have like, so much gam. You've you've made the skeleton so far of like three really cool games that I've seen. Which is nice because in the future, like, whenever you finish the one that is there, you've just got this <laughs> boneyard of tech that, like, could be a jumpstart for your next project. Like, if you're ever, if you're ever, like, man, maybe I should go back to the hex grid. You've got... Hex grid. <laughs> <laughs> you've got tech for it.
1: Which I'm is trying funny. to think about point crawl battle mats. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <It's>
0: this
1: face? <laughs> it's fucking point crawl, dude.
0: Uh-huh think about it
1: yeah think about it anyways that's that's my shit how's cool. uh how's getting grasping nettles together because i saw that people can pre-order it
0: well that's been true i just haven't promoted it uh but yes people could pre-order grasping nettles if they want go to my twitter if you can get to my i forget how ko-fi coffee ko-fi, ko-fi. i'm i'm using a ko-fi shop um to do pre-orders and then I'll also be doing that to collect shipping money from everybody but yeah if you miss Kickstarter uh, go for it maybe I could tell you about it show you where it is now with permission can I show the okay I'm getting nods <laughs> <laughs> from, from from Sasha the, the, the artist yeah uh, let me,
1: show us ooh. this beautiful book
0: it's looking good I gotta say uh, let me figure out how to do this Screen sharing. Hey, let me let me put hey. you back on the screen. Well, that's not you. There you are. Perfect. I can imbigin myself. I'm just doing some live production here. Don't mind me.
1: Imbigin.
0: It's a real word, probably. Is it? It is. It should be. So I, you know, it's good. Okay, so, we are we are here. Um, Grasping Nettles, a generational storytelling game of building worlds and dealing with its problems for generations. So the cover is still sort of a work in progress. There will be color at some point, I think. Um, hopefully soon, maybe maybe even today. But like checking is... with the art team again. <laughs> Last I heard, there will be color. It's going to be printed on like a yellow. The, The actual paper will be yellow and then the, you know, leaves are going to get greened up. Um, But here's the design of the cover. I think it looks rad. Uh, But yeah, we could just, we could just take, take some strolls through what this book's going to look like, which like, obviously, obviously it's not done yet. There's still some washi tape scans. (laughs) That's not, (laughs) that's not permanent. (laughs) Little Easter egg. (laughs) yeah if you don't know um, what the game's about, here's the this is the wheel that's like the main interface of the game. Uh, you're gonna have pieces that are moving around this board. and on your turn you roll a die, you move one of the pieces uh, to one of the spaces and then you just do the thing. So like if you move a piece to the faction space, you're gonna create a new faction. Um, and that is I played it actually this weekend. A couple of friends wanted to play a game, and so one said, "Hey, don't you have one that works for three people?" And I was like, "Yeah, actually, uh, I should play this again because <laughs> I haven't played it since the Kickstarter. I don't think, uh, and it's still good. Look out for it. Uh, here's all the here's all the actions. This spread might change because it's the same art here. You know, it's all a matter of." This is one of these things <laughs> that um, I'm fine with it being the same spread design, but um, I'm hearing that maybe we'll get a, a new spread, so they're unique here <laughs> from
1: the art team.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about. I time. love
1: it. I love the art team is in the
0: room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping we're hoping to get this like out and started printing this month, uh, so there might not be that spread might not change because <laughs> the time is drawing near we're halfway through November Um, but yeah I, don't know, I think it looks really nice this is a table of contents for the quick nettles this is going to be like um, just settings that you can jump right into if you don't feel like building a world from scratch you can hop in uh, with a quick nettle and those are written by some talented people like perhaps you Jeremy Here's a sneak peek at your uh, quick nettle called Cemetery. We've got one by MV about uh, sentient plants floating in a mech in space. Uh, A.E. Jonesy with the Villa of Orman. This one was really cool. Uh, there's two more that are on their way. I might, I trimmed some words out, so I might be throwing my own in as well. I haven't decided. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> i'm excited about it i got the wheel as end paper i think that's funny <laughs> <laughs> um, so look out and for you're gonna that try suit. to do like
1: a doily
0: it, it would be cool if it was a doily i am gonna i am working on screen screen printing this wheel so that you can have like i mean it, you could buy this Cloth version of the wheel that will have all of this screen printed, and then my plan is to hopefully have just this exact square screen printed on the back so you can like wrap it around the book while you're not using it and have like Mm. look this cloth little square that has the cover, and then you open it and it's the thing you play with. Mm. But I've, I well, I was waiting until the cover was done to start fully screen printing because. I can use the same screen for both both, and that would be ideal. Mm-hmm.
1: We're, me and Adam are all about material tech. <laughs> We're talking a lot about it, cutting up paper, origami character sheets. I just made it up right now, but I said it and now I think it's an awesome idea.
0: The character sheet thing? <laughs> origami character sheets. <laughs> yeah. that
1: would be fucking bonkers
0: you have to fold it in different you have to fold it in different ways and mm-hmm, 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 what happens mm-hmm. only the stuff your showing is that class active.
1: determines the shape mm-hmm. you can see all your like little abilities on the different panels
0: well i'm thinking there has to be multiple different folding ways of any mm-hmm. given character sheet and so you have to refold it <laughs> to get into that you don't
1: you don't refold origami <laughs>
0: A uh, one we, and done. We make nice paper here and you refold refolding. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's, no there's a thing. lot of heavy
1: creasing that has to go into origami making.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tried to make a cool mechanic and you told me it's not physically possible here. So now, That's...
1: out of spite and betrayal, you have to do the thing.
0: Yep. Let's see, what else is going on? Um, I did yesterday. I was like, I really do want to make a card game. And so I started Mm -hmm. another game design. (laughs) It's a problem. I just want to make a card (laughs) game. (laughs) I haven't actually caught up in the chat a little bit. There's so much
1: good stuff. Our chat is just bonkers today. I'm (laughs) happy for everyone that came out here. You started Jimmy Shelter's career in indie, indie tabletop.
0: Yeah. That's really cool to hear. You did too. You were on that stream. I was on that. stream. Amazing. It all comes back to it. our sweet
1: firefighters
0: our sweet, sweet.
1: firefighters.
0: <laughs> when we played the other day, when I played with uh, some friends, we did, um, what if when they did the moon landings, they set up a, they lived there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> set up a moon base. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so that was pretty fun And then when it came time to jump generations And I think this might have to I might have to add some guidance for this To encourage this We uh, we skipped forward a hundred years So it went from mm-hmm. the 1970s Weirdos on the moon To like 2070s There's still people on the moon But also it's the future And that changed it so much Like to be able to just jump a hundred years mm-hmm. Into the future Instead of the, the yeah. standard, like, oh, okay. Because a generation, if you're not being, like, a moon colony is going to be repopulated by new astronauts showing up. So a generation there is probably in, like, five years. And you're like, fuck that. Yeah. Let's, just, uh, let's just see the future.
1: Yeah, if there was something that, like, decided how many years in the future, or was, like, a suggestion, right?
0: Yeah, well, I, I just 10 don't... ten
1: years in the future.
0: I think I just, I was intentionally leaving it vague, but I think just... Pointing out, like, have a conversation about what this means, mm-hmm. which people mm-hmm. will probably do anyway. But like, getting it in their minds that they could do whatever they want with a generation. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. Yeah, it's it's cool. Blow up the moon. What if you blow up? What if you blew up your whole town? And now, now what? Tell me. Now what? Now what? Now
1: what? Do you start over? Do you? <laughs> Do you blow up someone else do you blow up a second town? There's a lot of choices.
0: Mm. <laughs> do you just quit? Do you never never play again?
1: <laughs> You're always playing. Mm. Grasping nettles, that's the tagline. Mm-hmm. You're always playing. <laughs>
0: You're always playing. You never stop. <laughs> oh shit. Uh <laughs>
1: it's gray outside it's been snowing here
0: yeah we haven't we haven't quite hit the snow the snow zone but it has been cold and snow it, it's been cold and this is the first you know because we moved to this apartment in the summer and so we haven't seen if it gets cold here inside oh no it does oh no. i'll tell you we haven't gone below freezing and it's just been cold all week very annoying some it's to... those old
1: victorian homes
0: it's those old Victorian homes that some dickhead put the worst windows possible into. I think it's that combo. <laughs> the tiny door. Adam, have you opened the tiny door? <laughs> I have not. There's a don't tiny do door. Don't do it. There's a tiny door behind my toilet that's like landlord painted off. And I don't know what's in it. Because it's not it's not the pipes. I know it's not the pipes because it's the same toilet that's in the other bathroom and it's just wall behind it. It's a mystery. <laughs> Maybe it has a heater in it. It's Jason. That'd be great. I need... We have one space heater. Uh, and so if you don't get to it first, your room's going to be cold. Well, there's, oh, central, there's central heating too, but like, feels like too much sometimes to go above. I like love that
1: you two just fight
0: it's not a fight. It's just like, oh, I'm not gonna take this. Like you're cozy in here. I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not gonna decose your space just because I'm. ai can put a sweater on.
1: <laughs> if it came down to it, I know whose side I would be on.
0: Huh. huh? Go ahead. Continue. Hmm? Are you gonna elaborate? No, on that's that? it. Okay. I just
1: know. I just know whose side I would be on.
0: That's for me to find out. In the future, maybe you already know. All right. What what do we want to talk about today?
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, do you want to get into the thing? The you know well, here.
0: Let me let's let's jump to this one real quick. Sure. And it's, just because we've both now talked about games that are a work in progress, and it's oh, speaking yeah. speaking to this like this yearning that I get sometimes that I just wish my games were the, all of the games that I'm working on weren't done and out there. Do you get this? Yeah. If, I mean,
1: if, I've been working on a version of Umbral Dive for, uh, what is it, four or five months now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have so many words and I don't even feel like it's, I don't even have a quick start. I want a quick start. <laughs> I've been working on the quick start for uh-huh. five months now.
0: Right. Yeah. And you just kind of, I just want it, I just want to be out there. It's a weird, it's a weird feeling because it's like if I see somebody saying, like, oh, I wish there was a game that did this, and it's like I'm working. I'm working on one. Why can't I just recommend mine? Because it's we're in the future now, and it's out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's nothing super interesting to talk about there, but it it's just a, a deep feeling that I get sometimes of like, damn it, it takes work well, to I do feel all like this.
1: I don't have a single game mm-hmm. out, period, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, sometimes I feel like that hurts my credibility as a person who has been learning about game design for, uh, oh my God, I just realized today for the first time that it's going to be the anniversary of the podcast soon, like in a Ooh. month. Yeah, you were the first episode on December 16th.
0: That's, that's one month from now. That's one month from now. Here's what but I'll say about you that. Know, hit me with it. I would say that that might be true if it wasn't clear that you know what you're talking about. (laughs) But like, as soon as (laughs) as soon as you start talking about game design, like it's obvious that you have, you know, you've got the knack for it. You you know what you're talking about. You just showed some cool grid shit. Like, it just takes a while to finish something. But if you were, if it had been a year since you started your podcast and then you about learning how to be a game designer and then you hop on this show and start showing your, your work of progress, and it's just some <laughs> dumpster of a game. What would what what a dumpster
1: be... of a game look like, Adam?
0: It's hard to say. You know yeah. you see it. But you I know, know when it. you would see it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just bad idea after bad idea. Open up
1: the file. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but instead, what we get is like, yeah, you're clearly doing big... Doing big thoughts, so any so many big any thoughts. potential credibility hit from you not having a finished, published game. Get that out of here.
1: I thought, uh, well, to remain on the topic, that is, uh, do you have a feeling of like just wanting to get the thing out there? Yes, for sure, and uh, every day, literally every day, I would, I would love to share. My love for tactical RPGs with people. Yeah. I need it. More grids.
0: More grids. Not enough
1: grids in the indie space.
0: Hey, it's coming. SceneQuest 2022 Tactical Storytelling Engine. It's got grids, it's got thoughts. It's going to have maybe a screen printed bag that comes in. Ooh. <laughs> That's the bag set. We love playing with materials. We love it. Just have to immediately start thinking about it. <sighs> Alright, what else we got? We got the we other thing. The
1: way. Hmm? We got the other thing. The, the discoursey the, thing. It's not that's discourse-y. a conversation.
0: I didn't know that it was related. I didn't know that there was something like this out there. I'm immune to seeing discourse on Twitter. <laughs> but
1: I'm immune to being affected by discourse on Twitter. Mm. I see it all the time though.
0: I just don't see too many see it.
1: TTRPG hashtags rolling Look, around out there.
0: I'm I'm immune to being affected by it, but as soon as I see anybody put any bad take that makes me rolls my, roll my roll eyes across my feed, I just unfollow or mute. And it has nothing to do with with liking any person or not. If you send some some stuff that makes me rolls, roll my eyes across my feed, I probably, you know, I can't deal with it. I don't want to get on Twitter and just roll my eyes all day. I want to get on and see cool stuff.
1: You know it's what I mean? It's a curated experience. It's a curated experience. Tw- yeah, that's what you want to use Twitter for.
0: I don't want to be on the app and dying inside because everything's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... Uh, I'm... Mm? That's just the natural state of using Twitter, I think.
1: Um, I'm not going to point any names... Or go into the tweet for some of you may who are in the audience may know uh, but I would refrain from mentioning the person if that's possible, Uh, but the conversation was sort of about like what games are good to onboard a new player and uh, this particular person felt like indie games uh, were not the answer because they're so simplified in their mechanics that it requires such heavy lifting from the players at the table. So uh, it's hard for them to work around, I don't know, executing role-playing, like what can I do with this, things of that nature, and argued that D&D 5th edition was kind of the better (laughs) choice for onboarding a new player to the tabletop role-playing Sphere.
0: bog bog them down with intimidating shitty mechanics until they can't think anymore.
1: I think I'd... I think that's a I think that's relative, right? I think that <laughs> there are people who find it fun.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that's I can't because I say that
1: I am one of those people.
0: Here's the thing, uh-huh. role playing this we can we can jump off here if you want. We can talk about this, but if you want to jump off to the thing that I I was going to bring up, oh, it's sort of related. It'll... I found an off-ramp here. I've already forgotten it. I found it again. The <laughs> so I think the reason that D&D could be a good entry game is simply because tabletop role-playing is incredibly fun, inherently. It's really hard to fuck it up how fun it is to sit around and, like, roll some dice and tell a story. That's just It starts from a baseline of, like, this is good and people enjoy this. If they allow themselves to get into it. Which brings me. Sidelines us into the thing that I kind of wanted to to chat about or, or pontificate. Which is um, the fact that RP- at, like when you're designing an RPG as opposed to designing a video game or a board game or some other type of game. There is so much more room that you as the designer leave up for the players to make their own fun. Uh, And I just find that interesting. Like, in a Mm -hmm. board game, you have to, like, you make a set of rules, especially if we're talking, like, a Euro board game. There's a set of rules, and the players just play exactly with those rules as written, and it curates this, like, cool experience for them. In RPG, you make a set of rules, and then they use those to reflect back. Like, it creates, like, this feedback loop of, players are making their own fun within this funny little sandbox you've set up right mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. you try to if you try to make an rpg that has too many like rails that aren't like thoughtfully crafted it could end up like kind of getting in the way you know so it's Stifling, not even one might say so this isn't this isn't saying like it's easier to design an rpg because players m- make their own fun it's like that's part of the design challenge is you need you are leaving space for the players to like step in and do their own thing.
1: Mm. Yeah. I only, uh, brought it up to swivel the context, to redirect, if you will, to talk about like, uh, what is the new player experience, right? Like what it's all, it's also relative and unique to the person or the combination of people's at the table. Um, in terms of how, you know, I've been playing video games and games period since I was four years old. My first video game was Yoshi's Cookies for the Nintendo. Uh, so kind of like the off, off-ramp off of Tetris. Are you looking up Yoshi's Cookies right now? Yoshi's uh, Cookies. Yoshi's Cookies, dude. Uh, also oh. fucking, what is it? Kirby's Dream Course. Uh, fucking, what is that Kirby Tetris one? i don't remember someone will say it in the chat i'm sure Mm -hmm. but uh you know i come from i've been engaging with cognitive high cognitive load games for forever and then rpgs and uh i also love like puzzle mobile games i used to play this game called uh the box or something like that. It was like this manipulation puzzle where you had to like keep going around the box to find like the right nooks and crannies and buttons and levers to like unlock the box and get into the next room. Anyways, that's all to say like not everyone has that background. Some people may have never touched a game because there was like, at least speaking to the last 30 years of my life, there's like, there's like a stigma around it. Uh, there was stigma around D and D and stuff. And, um, people's brains just aren't formulated to that space right away. And it takes a little time to like work out that brain muscle. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I think a lot of the time, uh, there are different ways to approach like how someone feels about a game. And I don't want to dismiss any ideas about like, what is a game or what isn't a game or like, how does... How, how do you engage in play and things like that? Those are all like constant, very like philosophical and artistic questions that, that are constantly answered in different uh, angles. But when thinking about the new player experience, where like, I think about like, what are the toughest things for a new player to get engaged with, right? Do they understand what they're capable of? I actually thought about this uh, with Grace a few, like two months ago. I talked about how... Um, role-playing games are essentially improv with rules and like like if improv was the game and you're like having the conversation about the the play space playing a game and a role-playing game is like setting rules on top of that you can only improv this way and then we talked about like you should get little achievements whenever you'd like you complete something like that like i improv using band of blades i played all the mechanisms that the game (laughs) offered towards me um truly it should be an achievement but um it's a lot of you know it's a lot of mechanisms (laughs) uh but i think about like what what are the things like when i think about even my own tactical game like how how am i going to teach someone because i think something we often maybe not we the collective we and maybe not often but I think something that goes missed sometimes I have to like pedal back because I know, I know a lot of smart people, like a ton of smart designers that think that we have conversations about this stuff all the time, but I can't speak for everyone who will watch the show, but like, um, what, what does it look like when you have a group of five people at a table and only one person bought the book? Right that person that bought the book now has to parse that information verbally to four other people or let them borrow the book mm-hmm. or they have to buy the book themselves which like is not traditionally the way that people engage with the game like not everyone's going to buy a copy of not everyone who's sitting at a table is going to buy a copy of grasping nettles right like for every one person that buys there will be four players or whatever, whatever. um so that person has to, you have to write your game or reference document or software in such a way that you're able to parse that out to easily parse it up to three people. And that's still a cognitive load and relative to the person who's reading it, right? Like when I first ran d five or six years ago, it was a matter of like, coming to grips with the system. I fell into like a very railroad-y sort of like, by the rules gming style because like i want to play the game and that caused a lot of friction between some of my players who are a little bit more like exploratory like why can't Mm -hmm. i do this or why can't i do that i was like well there's no rule for it so i don't know how to parse that out or you know i don't know how to flex my dc levels or whatever um yeah so and
0: yeah I think there's two, there are a couple of different new player experiences that we're talking about. So you're describing the new player experience of nobody had played, right? Right, right. Then there's the new player experience of like one person plays these games and is introducing other people, which arguably that's like the easiest way to get in, is if I call somebody over and I point them at the shelf of RPGs and like, let's do one of these. (laughs) And then I know that I, as a seasoned gamer exactly <laughs> can can curate the experience and bring them in and make them comfortable and know what they're doing but that is that's kind of leaving it up to that the seasoned person uh, mm-hmm. so I'm not as worried about that but the the one that you're talking about the everybody is new mm-hmm. um that's see that's where it's baffling to me to think that D&D is best for that cuz like you in your railroady thing like when you said that you you fell into railroading that is kind of what the game implies that you should do or there's no i mean the dmg maybe it says in the dmg don't be a railroading prick but nobody can i do it. want to
1: side note here that rail railroading gets a bad rap i totally think there's a place <laughs> for like railroading but i was yeah, doing yeah, yeah, the yeah. bad version right. where like the players were not allowed to make narrative changing choices you're playing in my game yeah exactly <laughs> Even if I didn't think that at the time, I was like, I'm not doing that. I was super doing it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of, um, so if you, if you talk about GM would games, a lot of them in like, you know, a PBTA game or whatever, they all have these principles laid out that are like, this is, you should not, you should have a conversation with each other. That's what the game is. It's not, you say what happens and then they flail around and react. It's, You all collectively, and it provides these principles and this framework for a GM, especially somebody new, that, like, feels like it supports a better first experience to me. Mm Because it's it's, just from the very nature of it's something that has been thought about. I don't know that, and this isn't necessarily a mark on D&D, but I don't know that anybody involved in creating D&D has really thought about it being hard to... Start playing this game in decades, if ever, probably never, because it's the one, it's the popular one. It's the one everybody's heard about, you know, you don't need to worry about like recruiting these new people. And so you don't need to build that into your system that these new people can, can hop in because they're going to hop in. If somebody wants to play D D, they're going to just play it. And it might be what you described for a little while. It might be kind of a mess, but it's still fun. It's <laughs> still just inherently <laughs> fun. fun.
1: And it's also like D D is such like an oral tradition game in that there's so much homebrew out there. Mm-hmm. Anything can be recontextualized to be D and D spaced. Uh, and even if someone like it's it's that what is that called? Ship of Theseus or something like that? Like yeah, if you replace every part on the boat, how long is it the same? Like how long until it's not the same boat anymore? D and D is very much that in that D&D of Theseus you know like I changed homebrew subclasses making my own monsters making my own campaign setting uh fucking uh changing changing out how the action economy works uh fucking adding new conditions to the game adding a stress mechanic like all those things drastically change the game uh and you know, that is part of... There's so much... There's... I think... D&D gets talked about as a as a great game to introduce with new players is because, one, there's a... It's the same as, like, the difference of, of a language in the world, right? So many mm. people, like, either have to learn or will learn English at some point. So it's so easy to, like... D&D is, like, the English of tabletop role-playing games. It's a really... And that's, it's like coupling that it's probably not a good thing. Uh, but, <laughs> <I>
0: mean...
1: <laughs> you know, it's really easy to like go to a friendly local game store and play D&D 5th yeah. edition if you're interested. Yeah, right? There. Whereas like, if I'm trying to play Blades in the Dark, um there's a really good chance that no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about right. when I that... into an, a friendly local game store. With
0: Blades in particular, that is becoming less true, which is interesting Correct. To see. Yeah. But if you went in and tried to play... Uh, fucking. Any other game? <laughs>
1: <laughs> any I'm other blank.
0: non-PBTA related game? If you wanted to try to play No Stood Unturned, everybody would be like, "What is that? That doesn't seem real." They're, yeah. As far as I know, doesn't seem only... <laughs> good. It's not D anD. <laughs> I don't know, and that's fine. There's, it's, it's tough to try new things. It's this is the same with board games. Like there are people that just play Catan, and that's fine. You know, if you can have fun yeah. with it. I. That's what makes. That's what led me to getting into all these games. Is I'm the kind of person that wants to try new games. <laughs> What's up,
1: Ed Williams? The idiot Do <laughs> You mean Aegon? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. But Just great. Love love having y'all in the chat. Not gonna lie.
0: <laughs> I think. I think D and D is the best intro game for people who want to learn how to play D and D. Is it's as simple as that? Like, there's no best intro game. That's silly. That's that's a goofy fucking concept. D and D trains you to play role playing games in a certain way, and it's the way that that game wants you to play. And if that's mm-hmm. if that is your metric for um, what makes if it for making it a good intro game is that it teaches you to play D and D well, then you, I could see why you land on that. Mm-hmm. i don't know exactly how i didn't see any of this conversation so i don't know what the actual points are
1: yeah where, it's <laughs> not i don't it's think it's about. important i think it's just a good i the good thing to spark about about mm. like uh, the conversation of like onboarding the conversation of like what are your design principles as you're writing the game and who are you writing the game for right, right. like as i write umbral dive i'm writing a heavily tactical like war game single unit situation and mm-hmm. like uh that is not a at least my intuitions leave me believe that that's not like an easily accessible thing in the i feel like it's not an easily accessible thing in the indie market because i feel like a lot of it's very like story narrative driven mm-hmm. in, a, in their design principles and that a lot of people think heavily about the role playing where i'm thinking very heavily about the game, like the like number generation and things like that, and positioning and all this stuff, like very chess style thinking. And um, I, uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my brain is so fast. Um, <laughs> and like, I, I think about like, what does my onboarding look like? Like, do I do a tutorial adventure where, like, if they if you're new to this game run this thing exactly as I'm showing you, like Mm -hmm. let everyone at the table know that like, Hey, we're going to do this for 45 minutes just so we all get a grasp of like what's going on here. Right. And then how do I inject the role play into that sort of after the fact? Um,
0: So I think, I think this could go into the accessibility or approachability, I think is the word I would rather use because accessibility is a whole other thing. The approachability of, a game like umbral dive i think can go back to what mv said when you were talking about something that like that's true of board games it really relies on if the person that read that one person that read the rule book whenever you make it and release it if they are good at reading board game rule books they're probably going to be fine to play umbral dive and facilitate it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if they're not that if they're just like random person off the street it might be a little confusing because just because they don't have this framework in their brain for understanding game mechanics but mm-hmm. like as somebody who has played hundreds of board games and for i would guess 90 percent of them been the person that read the rule book and then taught the game from nothing like i'll be able to figure out umbral dive and play it but mm-hmm. a, a simpler game I feel like more simple games will allow more people to def- to play it and get it right. I think anybody can play it because people are, broadly speaking, people are smart, mm-hmm. and people can read. <laughs> and like, <laughs> looks like my camera just went down. That's fun.
1: Yes, it's loading. We coming back? Uh, shout out to Aaron King who turned me on the D and D fourth edition, which I have several PDFs for now. Uh, Umbrella Dive does take a lot of inspiration from that, but to just sort of like the back half of that conversation is like the other thing to consider is that what if my game is not for the new player and can I be okay with that? Right? Because what if oh, Umbral Dive is a game that is designed for the person who loves D&D fourth edition, who loves mm-hmm. Warhammer, who loves fucking uh, you know, D&D fifth edition, like anything with a battle mat, right? It's for people who like into the breach video games for people who like MMOs. So like, there's something to consider for like, do I, I want to care about the new player demographic for sure. There's like no question about that. Um, But some of the first people I played D&D 5E with uh, were, come from video game backgrounds. So they were also thinking about like, oh, this role-playing game is like Divinity Original Sin 2, is like uh, Diablo, is like, uh, world of warcraft like that those were their touchstones for transition into it and it sort of was that but there's a lot more role playing than they were used to they were definitely people who like skipped cinematic scenes and you know i just can't understand it because i love love looking at the story but mm. there that was their background so like do i do i have do i have to care about the new new player i don't know
0: I don't think you have to, but I think it's important to acknowledge that you're not yeah. probably. I don't but, disagree yeah. with that at all. Every game does not have to be for every person's taste. I think it's important yeah. to say taste there because it, it should yeah. be, you know. I'm I'm not saying make fucking shitty games about being <laughs> fascist and just say about oh, it's Grim not dark. It's not for everyone. No, not that. <laughs> but like Grimdark isn't to my taste. You know, sure. you can, I, I I'm thinking too hard. Uh, but it doesn't have to appeal to everybody uh, and that's fine Uh, even though it'd be great if it did it'd be great if everybody no it wouldn't it wouldn't be great if everybody liked the same thing because that would be weird and boring and hard to create for (laughs) (laughs) you would have to create just the one thing instead of making some wild grid-based homage to final fantasy for 14
1: 14, 14. <laughs> out of 16 and many spin-offs. spinoffs
0: uh-huh. uh, because that's it's a great gonna... game
1: if any i'm playing it now i'm getting ready for Endwalker. if anyone out there in chat or watching this later is fucking playing final fantasy 14 hit me up crystal data server east side <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be tanking this this fucking expansion
0: so i think i think this will bring well we are we've been going yeah forever. we're
1: we're talking <laughs> we love each other
0: but i think i think an interesting thing to think about also is back back to my thoughts about like it trains you to be good at playing d the mm-hmm. easiest people i've taught in the the situation of new player being taught by seasoned gamer Um <laughs> uh, the new people that have never touched d so much easier to get into playing a fiasco a grasping nettles this that or the other Mm -hmm. thing because they just don't have this like you know this mechanical brain framework of what they can and can't do they're just like i can jump in and tell a story i can jump in and just start doing whatever i want because i don't have this notion that i can't do certain things whereas somebody who is used to having a limited narrative um responsibility narrative agency yeah Mm-hmm. Someone's used to having like the limited narrative agency of a trad game is mm-hmm. going to feel a little bit more tepid like branching out into in a GM list game because they're like, this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't where I am. This isn't what I'm allowed to do. And it's like, it, that's true in some games. And it's fine that that's true in some games, but it's so much harder to teach those people that it's not true in this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I've always found what? interesting.
1: Uh, one moment in my d and career that I'll never forget that I feel bad about to this day uh, is that I had a first time player and they're playing a ranger and they're like very much imagining like the leg, leg of loss, fucking multi-arrow shooting badassery but they were level like two or something like that, <laughs> level two or three right and so we entered a combat and they're like okay I want to shoot three arrows at at this thing it's like, okay, so uh, it's one attack. And she was like, I shoot, but I wanted to shoot three arrows. I was like, yes, but the game uh, yeah, mechanically allowed. only carried, like you're not allowed yet. <laughs> uh, and Gary I saw, no. I, I felt a sink because I felt the disconnect happen for her, right? Like I could see it sort of in her eyes. Like, oh, so I, I like, I can't, role play the way i envisioned right like that's the
0: well so that's the thing is that you still could you could still you still could
1: right later you, on i would learn that you could flavor something any way you right. want and have it resolved mechanically yes but, but it provides no moment, guidance
0: again, it provides there's nothing that like implies that there's nothing that pushes you there and like i bet i bet there's people out there that would be like no you didn't shoot three arrows it says you shoot one even though like you know just roll the dice that that you would roll and then, you know Yeah It, it still works Oh, uh, I
1: felt yeah. so bad
0: <laughs> Yeah I'm yeah, glad
1: I'm a better person now for sure But it was definitely a learning curve for me mm-hmm. And I didn't have anyone to teach me how to play D&D right. so. Yeah, or you were the, the full to new top player top playing games. Right. Full I, the, new player Fucking figuring out And I read the books I fucking read the 5th edition <laughs> DMG <laughs>
0: God I, damn it! I tried. I just—it's just so everywhere. It's an impressive—it's an impressive book. I gotta say, it's a great. It's wild to reference. just be so all over the place and so useless, and yet, <laughs> so and yet so sold. <laughs> so
1: sold, the whole package. People don't realize that D and D is at base $150 a hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> game. And they want to fucking yell at people for charging $25 for their <laughs> PDFs. So it so makes me want to vomit, it dude. It's 100. Right. You buy the master manual, you buy the DMG, and you All buy right. the player's handbook. And don't even consider when you buy a player's handbook <laughs> for everyone because no one wants to share the single player's handbook. Table four players, boom, that's another $150. It's goddamn $300 for DD fifth edition. <sighs> Well, it's we'll like pricing next time.
0: Maybe. <laughs> yeah. the, tw- the Twitterification of the tabletop call show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Should we wrap it? Should we call it there?
1: I think it's time. We're 10 minutes been, over. We gave this, people bonus content here. Bonus so, content. You know, uh, like, subscribe,
0: follow. This is, uh, is patrons only content right here.
1: I yeah. <laughs> put it in the tip jar. I don't tell you. Yeah.
0: Oh. You sign out. Okay. Liquid <laughs> <So. laughs> uh, oil down the wrong pipe. Sorry. I do that every day because I'm th-
1: fucking useless. Thank you, everyone, for being here at the Tabletop Colin Show. Uh, once again, thank you, everyone in chat who's been engaging with each other and us throughout the show. Uh, i've been jeremy gage you can find me at jeremy gage 5 over on twitter you can listen to the draw your dice podcast for more great discourse uh content uh with beautiful designers like adam and people who've been in the chat like uh will yopes and eli seitz and mv and aaron king we're gonna get you on here i swear to god we it's long overdue uh we're gonna schedule it today in fact and uh i make that promise on the
0: internet and uh who have you been adam <laughs> I've been Adam Bell, uh, host of the Tabletop Colin show. I am, yeah. So I've been Adam Bell. You can find me on Twitter at Adam e. Bell. Follow the show at Tabletop Colin. I should probably put that on the screen. Uh, that's where we announce when we're doing the show, which is every Monday at 11 a.m. now. Um, but, you know, follow it. It's good. Mm-hmm. Subscribe here. If you if you haven't, follow, is it follow? Which one's the free one? Whichever one's the free one, do that here on Twitch. Follow. Follow. Um and then I have to do some more streaming so that I can get the subscribe button because they make you work for it. <laughs> so look out for that. I don't know, maybe on Wednesday I'm gonna do something because I'm gonna be bored. Mm-hmm. Uh so if you have any ideas on what I should stream, shout at me at Adamie Bell on Twitter. And then uh yeah, go go there and find the pre-order link for Grasping Nettles if you haven't already reserved your copy those should hopefully be printing this month and sending out and you could play it around your christmas tree while you're drinking your eggnog and being jolly and having a nice time with your whoever you decide loved ones
1: (laughs) yes your loved ones your loved ones whoever you decide all right i'm gonna do a goddamn barnes and noble sit down we're playing this shit
0: hey who wants to play hey maybe you can walk to your friendly local game store and break free from the mold of only playing D D there maybe i could talk to my friendly local game store and see if they want to do a release event i don't know yeah. i got thoughts i want to sell my game yeah trying
1: to do blood on the clock tower at my friendly local game store
0: I've got somebody shit. We shouldn't start talking about blood on the clock tower. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I <Right>. almost <laughs> just, just jumped right into it. Uh, we will see you all later. Thank you for coming. Goodbye. Talk to you next week.